I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to part two of Ted the Caver. Yep, we are recording these back to back. For you, it's been a week. For us, it's been five minutes. Yes. Um, let's just get right back into it. Let's go for it. So this next one is April 7th, so it's been a little bit. Yeah. Back at the cave. This is a note from Ted, mm-hmm. so not part of the original entry. Prior to going out to Mystery Cave again, we spent a lot of time preparing We made a squeeze box, which is a wooden box, the opening of which can be adjusted in size. We could then crawl through the opening and measure to see how tight of a squeeze we could fit through. From that, we were able to determine that I needed about eight inches in height to get through the smallest portion of Floyd's tomb. That meant we would have to scrape out about an inch from the floor of the passage. We also learned that the best position I would need to get through the passage would be on my stomach, with my arms by my side. And of course, my head will be turned one way or the other. That position allowed any shoulder blades to drop to their lowest point. No, Any shoulder blades? I know, it looks like (laughs) there's something on my screen that made it look like any... (laughs) That (laughs) position... Any loose shoulder blades (laughs) out there? mine or uh, anyone else's. Um... That position allowed my shoulder blades to drop to their lowest point. In order to move, I would push forward and backward with my toes. It sounds difficult, but felt adequate. I hate that. Later, it proved to work sufficiently. Okay. The second thing we did to prepare was to construct the tools we invented to work within the cave. I came up with a clever way to... Humble brag. To chip away inside of the passage without having to climb inside. I had my neighbor weld together several lengths of steel pipe in a manner that would allow us to take it apart while we climbed down to the tomb, but still have the strength necessary to hold up to a blow from a hammer once it was together. We made our own tips that would screw into our pipe to reach the area we needed to work on. B came up with a cool design for a scraper using angle iron. He had his neighbor welded together. Both of you guys have neighbors that have welding materials. Yeah. It proved to be an invaluable... He just doesn't want to admit that they live together. I know. I was like, just tell me you live together. Like, it's fine. <laughs> it proved to be an invaluable tool for scraping and removing the rock. We were both proud of our inventions. I also made a device to hold my drill to attach to our pipe. We ended up not using it since B's scraper device works so well. Okay, so I think they've... They've, they've patched things up. Yeah. They've they've gone to therapy in the last couple weeks. Uh, couples <laughs> therapy. And really, like, worked on their uh, languages. And, yeah. Like, their wording that they use when they talk about each other. So, now we have picture number 12. It says, here is a picture of B, edited to protect his identity, with the pipe we made. I took the picture, facing away from the tomb. He was sitting on the rope bag that we had used as a bed. Behind him, to his left, is the passage that led down to the still water. Behind him to his right is the last drop-off before the passage. You can see some orange webbing we used to climb up and down. So now we're back to the, um, his journal entry. Okay. I took an oath. I made a vow. I would not leave the cave until I made it through the passage, conquered Floyd's tomb. 
We'd write it in that sentence. Yeah, the semicolon indicates that the next part will be also a full sentence, Mm -hmm. not a fragment, okay? Yeah, maybe comma and conquer. Yeah. Conquered. This would be the trip. It had been a long time since we'd been out to mystery. We had been busy, though. We had made the tools we had talked about. It was fun coming up with ideas for tools. Also, we made a squeeze box to determine the best techniques of getting through the tight spot. Plus, we knew about how much rock we needed to remove before we could get through. Okay, you just said this. We were excited to get back out to the cave to finish our project. Our climb down to the passage took a little bit longer than usual since we had extra tools to carry. Once we got down to the passage, we immediately got to work using B's scraping tool with a pipe I had made. It worked like a charm. We could hammer the pipe on one end and the scraping tool on the other end dug into the rock. Then we could push the debris all the way through the passage and out of our way. When we needed to measure our progress, we would turn the scraper sideways in the passage and observe the clearance. We worked for about two hours before I had a desire to try the tomb. I just wanted to make sure I was going to make it through on the first try. B made one more sweep of the passage floor, clearing any loose rocks from where I would be crawling and pushing the wall we had made to the back of the squeeze. I made preparations for the crawl by fashioning duct tape suspenders to prevent my shirt from sliding around while sliding across the rock. You could just wear like overalls. Yeah. Oh, a jumpsuit maybe. Yeah. I went with a flashlight in my hand, even though my hand would be at my side. I knew I would need it once I got through. As an expression of faith, I did not tie a rope to my feet. I was confident I was going to make it. Finally, I made the attempt. So now he has a little note here. Mm -hmm. Although I didn't mention it in the journal, we did notice the breeze was back and the rumbling was present. Mm. Since we didn't do any work to the entrance, I had to go through the same dance routine to even enter the passage. Once I got my upper body through the hole, I shined the flashlight ahead of me to work out a plan of attack. The passage didn't seem any bigger than last time I was there, but most of the work was done deeper in the squeeze. I paused for a few minutes, then twisted my hips to get my lower body in. Okay, I'm just going to skip a little bit here because it's basically him explaining the exhale, scoot, stop to catch his breath, repeat. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of boring. Yeah. After just a few inches of scooting, I could raise my head off the floor of the squeeze and tell that the passage was beginning to open up. I relayed this information to B, and we both took a few seconds to celebrate. During the rest of the slide through the passage, B was cheering me on. Virgin Passage and Neil Armstrong Territory were the phrases he kept repeating. I was grinning ear to ear. I hate you both. If I hear Virgin Passage one more time, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I'm going to rip all my nails out. <laughs> I hate both of you with like a burning passion. Neil Armstrong Territory. Embarrassing. Even though the passage was beginning to get larger, it was still slow going. I had to continue scooting along for another foot and a half before I could slide my arms underneath me to use them to crawl. At that point, I felt my journey was essentially over. I was able to sit up slightly and move the rock wall we had erected several trips ago. Those rocks served as a somber reminder that a little caution would be wise. Yeah. Yes. A lot of caution, maybe. A lot of caution. I shouted back to B that I was through. We both took a moment to congratulate ourselves on our success. B would likely never be able to squeeze through the passage and see what I was seeing. So I gave him a description of what the cave looked like. Did it look like a cave? Is it a cave? Is it fucking rocks? Also, you know, slide at B. Um, Honestly, he's always trying to take those digs at B. I'm like, I thought you guys were doing better, honestly. B seems to be really supportive 
and you're kind He's, of being mean. Yeah, really, really taking, like, what the therapist is saying to heart and really doing his homework. And, Ted, you were just acting like you were the victim in mm-hmm. all of this and not doing any of the work. Exactly. At this point, I only had my mini mag, so I could not see very far into the passage. The end of the passage made a gentle right turn. Gentle. Mm. Just really soft. Just a soft right turn. And seemed to go for a ways. I was unable to do anything at this point but sit due to the size of the passage. All of the broken rocks we had pushed through Floyd's tomb were around me at this point. There was no other signs of human intrusion. I had to wait until B passed me my helmet light to get a better feel for the cave. B used the pole we made to slide me the end of the rope. Then I was able to pull all of my gear through the squeeze. The first thing he sent through was my helmet and light. After I got the light fired up, I was able to see our new section of cave. Hours! It was an exciting experience to see the results of hours of hard work over the course of several weeks. Ridiculous. This cave does not belong to you, Ted. It doesn't belong to you, and also it has not been an exciting experience to even hear about. I'm like, let alone being there. Really exhausting. God. At this point, we still had no idea what the cave had to offer. It's a cave. Like all caves. It gives you rocks. The only thing I could see was the passage immediately following the squeeze. It was a narrow passage with a low ceiling. I would easily be able to get through it, but I would have to crawl. I began taking pictures so I could show B. So now we have picture... What, number 13? Mm -hmm. It says the first section of the new passage. I was almost lying down since the passage was so small. My feet are extended in front of me, as you can see. Notice the broken rock on the floor of the cave. The passage looks like a dead end, but it turns gently to the right near the end. I asked B how far he thought I could venture into the new cave, in light of the strange events that had occurred. For the first time, he too toned down his enthusiasm as he remembered the noises. He slid the pipe through the tomb with a loosened tip on the end. He said I could use it as a weapon if I ran into any animal or dot dot dot. Hmm. Uh, he also told me to make sure we could hear each other as I progressed into the cave. We have a note from Ted. Hmm. Even though we were at least thinking of the possibility of running into trouble, we never really considered the fact that if I got into trouble, B would never be able to rescue me, and in fact, no one would be able to get to me for many hours. If I were in serious trouble, as in hurt, there is no way anyone would be able to get to me in time. Jesus. That's so scary. Yeah. But symbolic of the whole experience, we were focused on our goal and not the potential dangers we faced. So far, we had dodged the proverbial bullet. So far. Like, how are you dodging a bullet by not considering the dangers around you? Uh. That's not dodging a bullet. That is putting your head in the sand. Or in the cave. Yeah. I strapped on my gloves and knee pads, grabbed my camera, and began my adventure. Oh my god, you're just in a cave. I crawled through the passage pictured above, which was about 20 feet long. I would have to climb up a gentle slope, but then I would be able to stand by the end of the next section of the cave. The next section was about 40 feet long. In addition to having a higher ceiling, the walls were a little wider than the section I'd crawled through. Both sections were relatively straight. Me too, babe. The floor was covered in rocks, which crumbled as I crawled, and then walked across it. (laughs) The walls were basically the same as much of the mystery cave. Yeah. It's rocks. It's a cave. Rocks are the same. Except pristine. Oh my god, shut up. It was obvious no one had been there before me. I hate this. Upon closer inspection of the walls, I found two delicate types of formations. The first resembled several chunks of grated cheese tied together on one end, but the rest of the cheese just flopping around. 
with like, the rest. Is this of- just an episode of Wallace and Gromit? <laughs> just like imagining him being like, I don't know anything about geology, and so he's just describing these like stone formations in like the goofiest way possible. Yeah. The second formation was just tiny strands of rock, thin earth, and human hair. It looked pretty cool. I found several examples of both kinds of formations. So if boring. they were thinner than human hair, how the fuck did you see them? Mm. <laughs> I was not even through the second section of cave, and I could barely hear B. Cave passages are not acoustically friendly. I shouted at him that I would go for a half hour, then return. He said that would be fine and to be careful. Then I proceeded to explore the cave some more. I could walk nearly upright at this point. I was on the third straight section of the cave when I discovered a crystal formation on the wall to my right. It was in several layers on the wall, resembling clear candle wax that was allowed to melt and drip down the side of the wall. There were several small stalactite-looking formations formed by these crystals. The longest was about four inches in length. There would be one much longer, judging by the size of the base, but it had broken off. I looked to see if I could locate where it had ended up, but I couldn't find it. That is deeply concerning. Yeah, I don't know this for sure, so don't quote me on it. But I do know that four inches in length on those things is, like, crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it they grow or not grow but like form like a fourth of an inch higher every like a hundred years or something insane so yeah four Mm -hmm. inches is a lot that makes sense yeah i mean i those numbers could be just a little bit off but i think that's generally correct now we have picture 14 he says the crystal formations are right behind the rock in the upper right hand corner of the photo i could walk upright but had to stoop on occasions like ducking under that rock i don't see the stalactites at all where are they? Do you see them? Oh, right behind the rock. So you didn't take the picture of them. You can't just you can't took see them. The rock, you took a picture of the rock that was in front of them. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Super helpful, fucking Ted. Thanks, Ted. Love that. The passages continued on for another hundred feet or so before the cave opened up a little. It was at the end of a short, straight segment of the cave. At the very end of the segment, the cave made a bend to the left and opened up into a room. Just at that point where the room began, there was a round rock that appeared to be leaning against the wall. This seemed odd, but singular formations are common in caves, so it is by no means unique. I had crawled and stepped over several large chunks of rock that fell down from the ceiling, but this one was more round than the others. Once past the rock, the room opened up to a height of about 15 feet. It was about 15 feet in width and about 30 feet in length. At the far end of the room, there was another passage leading straight out. As I entered the room, I had an eerie feeling. My heart is, like, racing again. Yeah. I was... It was like the old saying that I felt like I was being watched. Once again, the excitement of the new find faded, and the memories of the mysterious side of the cave crept back into my mind. Suddenly, I felt very alone. Fortunately for my ego, I was nearly out of time and had to go back to be before my half hour was up. That's funny. You're like, oh, it was the time. I wasn't scared. I was not scared. I just, I wanted to make sure that B wasn't scared. (laughs) Fortunately, from my ego, it was great. Mm -hmm. I took several pictures of the room. I was going to get, I was going to just get a feel for how long the next passage was when something caught my attention. On the left side of the room, of the wall, at about eye level, I discovered what appeared to be hieroglyphics. It was a single drawing that almost appeared to just be part of the rock coloration. It looked like a very crude representation of people standing below a symbol. I was pumped. That meant that there had to be an in- other entrance to this cave, 
even if that entrance was closed or blocked, it might need an opportunity to open it and get B into the cave. I took another look at the drawing to make sure I could describe it to B. Then I took some pictures and headed back to B. I'm like stressed. Yeah. But also that would be very cool to like discover like really ancient like cave drawings. Yeah. Like something that could be like actually cool for people to study. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also terrified. When I got back to the squeeze, I could barely talk fast enough to let B know everything I had discovered. He was just as excited to hear about our newly found treasures. As we debated what our next move would be, I began to send my gear back through the tomb to B. I told him it would be best if we got someone else to come back with us in case something happened. He agreed. Once I got all the gear through, I was faced with the wonderful task of having to negotiate Floyd's tomb again. And then he has a little note. Theoretically, a person should be able to get out of a passage he just crawled through by simply reversing what he just did. If he contorts his body a certain way to get in, he should be able to get into the same position to get out. In practice, this may not prove to be possible or practical. Such was the case with the tomb. Back to the um, actual entry. Mm -hmm. I determined in advance that I would attempt to go headfirst through the squeeze. I knew that I could definitely make it going feet first, but that would mean backing up all the way through the tomb. That would take a long time and be very exhausting. My only concern in going head first was when I got to the end of the squeeze. I would have to get through the hole we had made without the benefit of being able to twist my body. Oh well, I chose to go head first and deal with the exit when I got to it. I started into the squeeze very close to the tight spot, so at least I would have it over with soon. It turned out to be tricky getting through. I had to shift my hips to the right a little to get through, but I just kept plugging away at it. My hands were once again by my side, my head turned to the right and I was scooting with my toes, and once again I was using my head as a gauge to tell when I was at the tight spot, then when I was past it. I seemed to get tired a little quicker on the way out. Must have been from all the work we had been doing to get through. I was a little over halfway through when something bizarre happened. I was laying there taking a brief break when I heard a sound deep within the cave. It was the faint but distant sound of rock sliding on rock. My blood froze in its veins. I couldn't move. I just lay there straining to hear the sound again. Nothing. I quickly began to scoot towards the exit. I didn't mention the sound to B, but I did recall one of our earlier trips when B said he heard the same thing. The task of getting out of our hole turned out to be as painful as I thought it would be. I had to put my arms overhead and force my shoulders through the hole. I definitely left some skin behind as I slipped through. Ugh, Jesus. B helped me as I wiggled my upper body out of the passage. Then I could catch myself and ease my lower body out of the tomb. I was out. B and I shook hands and began to load up our gear. So weird. <laughs> I think he wanted to say that they kissed, but didn't want to like deal with the homophobia. <laughs> I was trying to listen to any sounds coming from the hole, but we were making too much noise gathering our stuff. As much as I looked forward to getting into the passage, it was a relief to get back out. That is pretty much how I feel about caves in general. I love to go in, but I feel good when I get back out again. I'm like, just chase you that like good them? feeling. Chase the good feeling of being out of a cave your whole life. And then just never go back in them again. I'm like, why don't you build like a little cave exit for your house? Yes. Make it look, yeah, make your front door look like a cave. But it's like, every time you go leave the house, it's like a new adventure. <laughs> so we added a um, comment here. It says, something strange happened with the pictures I took in the new part of the cave. The pictures I took in the passage leading up to the large room all turned out just fine. 
Strangely, none of the pictures taken in the room turned out. Pictures of the round rock, and more importantly, pictures of the hieroglyphics I saw. Pictures taken before and after the room turned out great, but the negatives of the photo taken in the room were clear. Nothing. I remember what the hieroglyphics look like, so I drew a picture to give you an idea of what I saw. So we actually have three pictures here. So these are pictures 15, 16, and 17. So I'm going to read some descriptions for each. Mm -hmm. For 15, it says, It's a crude drawing of what I saw, but it's accurate. The first thing I thought when I saw it was Blair Witch Project. It kind of has the same feel to it. This symbol was in the center, and several figures that looked like people raising their hands were below this. For picture 16, he says, This is the last picture before I entered the large room. At the end of the passage, partially hidden in the shadows is the round rock that I saw. This is for um, 17. He says, here is the same picture with the round rock outlined. You can't really tell from these pictures what you're looking at, but they are the only ones I got of the round rock. Horrifying. Yeah. Never go back into a cave, especially mm -hmm. if your pictures are not developing. Yeah, I'm like, mm -mm, there's some magic down here that mm -mm. I should not be messing with. The next one is April 14th. That's my mom's birthday. <gasps> It's also the day that the Titanic sunk. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> a fun day all around. Yeah. Just really good time. Yeah. Only a couple days elapsed before B found someone who wanted to explore the passage with us. B told me he talked to a few other people who couldn't make it because of scheduling conflicts. Well, they're bringing a third party into their relationship. This wow. is big news. It is big news. <laughs> They saw this person across the bar and they really like their vibe. <laughs> We're going to beat you up after this. <laughs> he said they really grilled him for information about the cave and about the passage. He would not tell them which cave it was to ensure that we explored it to our satisfaction before we made it known to the public. Even the guy who ended up going with us did not know which cave until we were close to it. And he was sworn to secrecy that he would not reveal the location of the cave to anyone on the planet. And I'm like... <laughs> Can you guys, like, did you sign a contract? Honestly, or? that's what I was wondering. I was like, so, like, I know you're a big legal guy. Yeah. Putting your copyright in there, Honestly. so. <laughs> and then a small note from Ted. I won't identify him by name, so I will just refer to him as Joe. All right, Joe. Joe, Ted, and B. Mm -hmm. Love that B didn't get a full name. Yeah. And I'm like, is B, like, still the letter that it starts with? Like, why B? Yeah. Maybe he's one of those people that has, like, a single letter nickname or something. Maybe. Like, D, but then they just picked a different letter. It's just Beyonce. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce? <laughs> and then Joe is actually just Jay-Z. <laughs> I'm like, wow, he's really got some famous friends. Ted is really out there. Taking these famous people to caves. Maybe Ted is famous. Oh, my God. Maybe it is Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> I knew it. I just could sense it. He would be randomly friends with Beyonce. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. And he would take them to a cave. He would absolutely <laughs> convince both of them to come to a cave. I do sort of feel like he's a weird, like, trickster cod. Like, yeah. if you met him, he would purposefully lead you astray into your death. I think so, and that's hot. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Though it does kind of change when I think about it in that dynamic of uh, Ted being weirdly belittling to B in a way that I feel like he's doing it as a bit now because Beyonce is obviously like much more famous and like, like beautiful and talented. Over there is being so annoying. Exactly. <laughs> like, he's just like taking the piss. I love it. Joe, B, and I set out early in the morning to make sure. I'm just, I mean, yeah. I'm just speaking, picturing Beyonce, Jason Sudeikis, and then also Joe from you. Because Jay-Z, I can't picture him in my mind very well, yeah. but 
<laughs> just Penn Badgley. I love that. Oh, that's good. But he's acting the whole time. He's being like yeah, really annoying. Yeah, he's being annoying. Joe. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. he's like staring off in the distance, doing his like inner monologue. Actor, like I have to like stay in character, and they're like nobody even likes you, man. <laughs> nobody him, invited like, you. They ask him a question, and he just looks like a little to the side, and just like is thinking his inner monologue. Beyonce just slaps him directly <laughs> as hard as she fucking can in his face. Good, Good for, for her. her. <laughs> <laughs> On that colorful note. <laughs> Joe, B, and I set out early in the morning to make sure we could spend all the time we wanted in the new passage. When we got to the cave, we were able to rig up and descend rather quickly. It helps when you don't have to haul half a hardware store down into the cave. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> We've already had to live through it with you, Ted, like 45 times. Like what you brought like in extreme detail. <laughs> Joe was impressed by our work. Even B and I took a minute to pat ourselves on the back for all the hard work we put in. And for the fact that we made it through... Joe is a rather thin caver. Okay, body checking. Honestly. It's because it's so skinny. I want to be skinny mini like that. So skinny, skinny <laughs> legend. Mariah Carey is crying. <laughs> Who has had a lot of experience in caves. He said this might be the tightest squeeze he had been in, but it didn't bother him. I knew that physically he would be able to make it, since I was bigger than him and I made it. He was just as excited as us to get through and get cave Maybe more. What? What's more? <laughs> Is he horny for caving? <laughs> I'm like, is he in love caving, with caving? Maybe more. I'm like, are you doing something else after? What does maybe more oh, mean? <laughs> maybe it was like, yeah, you can, we can hang out. We can like see our vibes. We can go caving. <laughs> maybe a little more. Um, I do realize now that he was saying maybe more excited than us. Yes. But um, it was just really weird phrasing. Very weird phrasing. He quickly got ready and was waiting to hear what the plan of attack was going to be. I figured I would send him in through first, since he was ready, and I would follow. B would pass our gear through and wait for us outside the passage. B would give us two hours to return. That was nice of B to go down into the cave and babysit us. It gets boring sitting there in a cave. With our plan set, we were ready to roll. And then here's another note from Ted. It was, perhaps, irresponsible of us not to tell Joe about all of the unexplained events that occurred in the cave until after he had gone through. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's They're very irresponsible. <laughs> they were like, good luck, Joe. Good job. They're like, yay, Joe. Oh, nothing's Joe. weird. Nothing's weird in here. This Everything is, is normal. Cave. We haven't experienced anything weird at all, like the whole time. I don't even know why you would bring it up, Joe. Um, everything is totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> Good the luck. wind is just howling, okay? It's just the sound of trucks up if there. If you have her, hear a scream down there, it's not a big deal. But what exactly do you tell someone? The truth, Ted. Yes. It's a pretty... You explained it to us. Yeah. You explained it to him. You explained it in excruciating detail. I'm sure you could have explained it to him. Mm-hmm. How many of the weird things did we need to reveal to him? All, All of them. them. All of them. All of them, babe. All of them. <laughs> We did not feel that we were in any danger or we would not go in the cave ourselves. I he don't believe you. should also have the choice, though, right? Yes. He should have all the information and then decide whether or not he feels like he would be in danger. Just saying. Uh. So we did not tell him a thing prior to him entering Floyd's tomb. It sounds like you were just looking for someone to trick into going in first because like, you're a little scaredy cat. You go in. <laughs> Nothing weird in there. <laughs> They're like, hey, you guys are kind of shaking. You good? And they're like, yeah, we're just like so excited. I just like, I like caffeine this morning. <laughs> of course, when we did tell him afterwards, it was too late. See, 
who ruined your friendship with Joe. No threesome after this, I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> that is not the mood anymore <laughs> for a threesome. Joe's like, fuck you guys, honestly. I couldn't believe how easy Joe slipped through the passage. Feels weirdly sexual again. It does. It's like, do you guys hear yourselves? He said it was tight, but it sure didn't look like it. I hate this Dead. so much. Dead. <laughs> oh my god. I hate Ted. Once he got in, we passed him his gear, and then I started in. Even though I knew I could fit through, it was still a slow trip through the tomb. You can only go so fast when you're scooting with your toes. When I reached the tight spot of the squeeze, I had Joe snap a picture of me. I thought it would make a good photo. Once I got through, B started to relay my stuff to me. Then disaster struck. I had gone all the way in and turned around to pull my gear through. I had to kneel down and still crouch low. I had just gotten my helmet, ironically, and light, and was turning around to feed the rope back to B when I smacked my head on the top of the passage. Smacked it. Human skull versus solid rock. Rock one. <laughs> Damn, the rock is in here beating him up. It's about tribe. It's about power. <laughs> I told B what had happened, so he sent my first aid kit through. I was bleeding, but even worse, I didn't feel too good. I patched myself up and then told Joe I didn't think I'd better continue. He looked like a little kid who was told that Christmas would be canceled. Although I didn't like the idea of him exploring the cave without me, for selfish reasons, of course. All right, Ted. It seems like you're just a bill scooty guy. I wanted him to at least see part of the cave for making the trip out there. I told him how far to go and how long it would take, and then I sent him on his way. As I laid there, I could hear him crawling into the darkness. His light disappeared after the first turn. I rested a minute or two, then began my journey back through the squeeze. It was disappointing to get all the way to the cave and then not be able to explore it to its end. It's actually killing me. After I got through Floyd's tomb, which was painful, I sat down and munched on a cliff bar, another product drop, <laughs> while B and I chatted. I told him I would pay for a motel room if he would stay overnight. Then we could see how I was doing the next day and make another attempt at the cave. I felt goofy for having smacked my head on the cave wall. B said he was willing to give it another try tomorrow. He was just as anxious to put some closure to this cave. As long as Joe would stay overnight, we determined to wrap things up the next day. Once this was settled, we just sat back and enjoyed the darkness. We could hear no sounds coming from the passage. The silence reminded me of the scraping noise that I had heard last time we were out there. I brought up the subject with B. Since I had not explored the cave completely, I could not offer any explanation of what could be making that scraping noise, or the change of wind strength, or the rumbling. Or the terrible scream that we heard. <laughs> Suddenly, we both wished we had not sent Joe into the cave alone. Oh my god, Joe was gonna die! <laughs> you guys, why did you think it was a good idea to just let him go in there all by himself? Be dead. Out there killing Joe! B went to the hole and yelled into it, Joe! No answer. Not surprising. You just can't hear each other when you're very far apart in a cave. We nervously awaited any sounds. Good sounds, that is. Joe-type sounds. <laughs> the 20-minute limit we had set passed. Then 25 minutes. I really had no desire to climb back through the squeeze. My head was still throbbing, and the squeeze looked tighter than ever. Still, I knew I was going to have to make sure Joe was safe. Just as I was getting prepared to go back through, I saw a light deep in the passage. Joe? I called out. Nothing. Joe? Still no answer. 
The light got brighter and I could hear the noise of someone crawling across the broken rock that lined the cave. Oh god. Who is it? I don't know. I'm really scared. This is really hard to read. You okay, Joe? No, was his weak reply. When he got to the other side of the tomb, he said he was not feeling well. He quickly took off his gear and put them in a bag so we could pull it through. As I pulled the bag through the passage, he began to climb back through the tomb. We didn't even get a chance to question him about what he saw before he was coming back through. He quickly slipped through the squeeze, and we finally got a look at him. He looked terrible. His face was pale, and he was out of breath. The dust that covered the floor of the squeeze left its mark on his face and clothes. He had numerous small cuts and scratches on his face and arms, probably from his rapid escape from the passage. His eyes were wide open. Jesus, what happened to Joe? I'm so scared. We only had a brief moment to look at the change that had occurred to Joe before he started to head up out of the cave, without saying a word. While Joe and Bees started for the surface, I took a minute to gather our gear. Then I stopped to listen into the passage. I heard nothing, and I felt nothing. The wind had stopped. Part of me wanted to get out of the cave as fast as possible, but another part of me wanted to immediately climb back through the passage to find out what had made this cave tick. Then was not the time, though. I still felt a little dizzy from my injury. At that moment, I noticed B and Joe had made good time getting up the cave passage, and I was left alone. Chills ran through my body as I scurried to catch up with them. Once we got outside the cave, I figured we would be able to find out more from Joe. Every time they're out of the cave, I breathe like a sigh of relief. I know. That made my like chest tight. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. But when he got up to the final climb, he just unclipped from the rope and went straight to the truck. In the light of day, he looked even worse than in the cave. B and I gathered up the rope and our gear and headed for the truck. Joe said he did not want to stay overnight because he felt terrible, and we believed him. So we headed home. We could get no more information from Joe. He just stared straight ahead. He was shaking like a leaf, and he said he was not cold. When we tried to question him, his answers were short. I asked him if he saw the hieroglyphics. No. Did he hear us yelling? No. Did he see the round rock? No. Did he see the crystals? No. He said he just went a little ways in and started to feel sick. Something was fishy about his answers. He would have had to have seen the crystals if he got far enough into the cave that he couldn't hear us yelling. But why would he not elaborate? And then this is the final note from um, Joe on this entry. The rest of the trip passed in eerie silence. Joe didn't say much else. We gave him a brief outline of the strange events that happened in the cave. He didn't reply. As we were dropping him off, we asked if he wanted to go back into the cave. He shook his head and ran into his house. I tried to call him later in the day and the next day, but only got his voicemail. Joe is never speaking to you again. Never again. Joe is traumatized. I have realized now that we are fucking idiots and uh-huh. we keep saying these dates. Um, and I think these are the dates he's updating it because he said, look at the date on the fir- like the front page to see when I updated last. Not like the actual events. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. that makes so. a lot more sense. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. So, anyways. It's taking a really long time to update these. I know. Like, babe, just type them up. Yeah. So, this one was posted April 28th, 2001. In this journal entry, I discussed briefly the feelings B and I had at this point. I would like to... Elab- Are they going to elaborate on their love story? <gasps> elaborate on those feelings and set the mood for this part of my journal. We just take a hard right turn into romance. Okay, that's fun. I love that. <laughs> I hope I can successfully convey our exact thoughts and feelings as we contemplated our next move. 
If not, I'm afraid we will appear to the average reader as being ignorant, naive, or downright foolish. I mean, you're going to appear that way anyways. I already think that, Ted, so you don't need to worry about it. There's no explanation that you could give me for your dumb thoughts that would not make me think they were not dumb thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're dumb from the beginning. You were in the cave. Yeah. End of story. Mm-hmm. This cave represented to us the culmination of weeks of hard work, complete with an array of emotions. From fatigue to fear, anticipation to pain, from frustration to glory, to us, we were not standing on the brink of possible destruction, but rather honoring an unspoken commitment. Much like a parent of a wayward child, we were not about to abandon our quote-unquote child out of fear of the unknown. (laughs) What? You did not birth this cave, babe. Yeah. This cave birthed you. Also, super weird to be like, we need to penetrate these virgin passages and then be like, this is our child. Yeah. I don't like that. Like, don't mix metaphors here, guys. Like it or not, this cave had become a part of us. And now we must see this adventure to its fruition. Additionally, verbose explanations aside, we were being eaten alive with curiosity. Despite the overwhelming number of unexplained occurrences we experienced, we had to go back into this cave. What was making the rumbling noise? What caused the change in wind strength, etc., etc.? All the way down to Joe. What could have possibly happened to him? What did he see or experience? We had many lengthy discussions about what our next move would be. We kept coming to the same conclusion. We had to return to the cave. We could offer no possible scenario that would solve the many riddles held deep within the cave. The only way we could hope to complete the puzzle would be to conquer the cave. We were going back to the mystery cave. So that was sort of a note from him. So now we're going back to his journal entry. Two weeks after our trip with Joe, we were on our way back to the cave. To prepare for this trip, we contacted the local cave rescue group and got permission to borrow their low-voltage two-way phone. That's smart. Mm -hmm. The phone consisted of two transceivers and a long spool of thin wire. I would then be able to unwind the wire as I went into the passage and stay in contact with B the entire time. Love that. We also thought it would be a good idea to take a video camera into the new passage. I purchased a case that would protect my video camera from dust, as well as sharp objects. I was more than willing to pay the cost of the case just to make sure B got to see the entire passage. That's cute. That is sweet. They're really working hard in therapy. I love that for them. My head was doing fine. I still had a light red line to mark the spot where I tried to break the rock with my head. I never went to a doctor, but it was a very painful experience. Should have gone to the doctor. Mm -hmm. I have thought about what would have happened if I had been able to get in the passage with Joe. He was a changed man after he came out. I've been calling his house nearly every day trying to talk to him, but he won't answer his phone. Maybe you leave him alone. Yeah, honestly, just let Joe recover. B called his work and a mutual friend told him that Joe called in sick two weeks ago and hasn't been in since. Oh my god, Joe is dead. He said Joe warned his boss he might be out for a while. I even stopped by his house twice. The first time it looked like someone was home, but no one answered the door. The second time his car was gone and there were no lights on. I hoped to talk to him before this trip, but it didn't work out. As we were raking up the rope to descend into the cave, I felt something for the first time. I did not want to go into the cave. Listen to that feeling, babe. Yeah, that's the point where you turn around and you never come back. It was not a feeling of foreboding. I was not receiving some premonition. I just had no desire to enter the underground world of Mystery Cave. Oh, I wonder where you got that desire. Sees... It's just, like, weird that you spent all this time being like, I have to go, I have to go. And then suddenly you get this feeling, I can't go. Wonder where it came from. I'm like, okay, sir. 
I didn't share this feeling with B at the time. Even though I had no desire to go into the cave, I knew we had to. You so I really double checked don't. my gear and slipped all over the edge of the cliff. You could just stay home. You could just stay home. You could just, you could just like wait a couple of years and watch the descent, and that would be pretty scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's dumb when the goblins show up, mm-hmm. but it's scary in the beginning, yeah. Ted. How about that? Right from the beginning, it seemed like the cave did not want us to be there. Nothing went smoothly. Every time we tried to clip a carabiner or tie a knot or attach something to the rope, we had to do it two or three times to get it right. Fortunately, we recognized this and made sure everything was safe and secure. As we slowly made our way down, we were continually bumping into the side of the cave or stumbling as we walked, dropping things. We finally reached a point where we stopped to gather ourselves before continuing. Our load was relatively light, but we were taking forever to get to the hole. Finally, we made it. We checked the camera and phone to make sure they survived the trip. We tested everything, and I gathered the gear I wanted to take into the passage. Then it was time. We looked at each other, but said nothing. Then I turned to face the passage. As I twisted my body to begin entering the tomb, I desperately hoped it would be the last time I would contort my body to enter this claustrophobe's nightmare. The trip through Floyd's tomb went smoothly, figuratively speaking. After I got through, we took several minutes to get everything passed through to me. Thank God we didn't have to hear about his scooting again. Oh, I swear. He just loves to describe it, like, in five paragraphs. Oh my God, I get it, Ted. I get it. I got suited up and tested all the equipment. The phone worked like a charm. I videotaped the squeeze and then the first section of the new passage. Since I would be unable to tape while I crawled, my plan was to crawl to the next section, then stop and film some more. I could video what I had just been through, and then video what I was going to crawl through next. That way, I could get each section from both ends. I was starting to feel pretty good about the trip. I felt a sense of personal satisfaction at being able to provide a way for B to see the fruits of his labor. It was awkward lugging the camera and unrolling the phone wire while trying to crawl. I knew it would be worth it, though. The small formations were too small to show up on the video. With normal outside lighting, it would be no problem. But with my headlight as the only source of light, the effort was futile. The crystal formations turned out quite nice. They were easily large enough and made for some pretty good footage. I took advantage of the film stop to check the phone. It was comforting to hear someone's voice deep within the passage. We chatted briefly, then I unplugged the phone and prepared to continue. The phone resembled an oversized regular phone. More like the ones you would see in war movies. When I wanted to talk to B, I would just plug the phone into a special jack on the spool of wire. The power source was on B's end of the phone, so it was always turned on. The reception was as clear as a normal phone. I continued forward. Even though progress was slow, it was steady. Things were going pretty good until I reached the round rock. Once again, I got a strange feeling, just like the last time. I looked around carefully, but saw nothing to be alarmed about. I proceeded to film the entire room. I got good shots of the round rock from all angles. I got the walls, ceiling, and floor to the best of my ability. I even got some pretty good tape of the figure on the wall. It was difficult to make out exactly what it was on the video, but you could definitely tell there was something there. After I taped everything to my satisfaction, I moved towards the end of the room to prepare to explore new territory. I just know things are getting more intense and I'm like, get out of the cave, get out of the cave, get out of the cave, get out. At the far end of the large room was a passage that led to darkness. It's all darkness, right? Yeah. Just in the dark. Like, you're the one who told us that. You're in the dark. (laughs) That's how you watch Sherlock Holmes. The entrance was about a foot lower than my head, and it looked like it continued at that height for as far back as I could see. I ducked out of the ceiling and prepared to see new sights. 
The walls of the new passage were darker than the rest of the cave to this point. The floor was made up of the same type of broken rocks. The ceiling had the same type of near-perfect arch as in the old section of Mystery Cave. It also seemed out of place in the jagged atmosphere of the cave. I could only see back about 30 feet or so where the passage appeared to make a right-hand turn. I thought this would be a good place to check in with me. It took a couple of beeps before he answered the phone, but once he did, his voice was still crystal clear. It sounded like he might have been snoozing. Had I been gone that long? He said he was doing fine and that I could take as much time as I needed. I thanked him and hung up. His patience had been wonderful during this whole project. He had spent a lot of time just waiting for me while I explored the passage. I was glad he was still willing to sit and wait. I hung up the phone and started to film the new passage. Then it happened. Also, I just love, you know, he's being so appreciative of B. I think, yeah, he's really character growth. To, he started to do his couples therapy homework. It's really good to see. I'm glad they're working on their relationship. I'm stressed. <laughs> From behind me, I heard the scraping noise. It was loud and it was close. It was coming from the large room I had just left. I wheeled around to face whatever had made that noise. When I did, I lost my presence of mind and stood up at the same time. Crunch. My, he my helmet crashed into the passage ceiling. My light broke and I was buried in the heavy darkness. Pain shot through my neck and down my back. The helmet had protected my head, but my neck was nearly numb from the impact. Oh, shit. Fear enveloped me, and my knees began to weaken. I slowly but involuntarily slumped to my knees. I gently set the camera down as I began to see stars from the pain in my upper back. The scraping noise lasted only a second, and now the only sound I could hear was my own panic-inspired breathing. Not only could I feel the fear thick upon my chest, but the darkness seemed to hold me in place. I felt like I was vulnerable from every direction. I wanted to turn and look behind me, and to the side of me, and in front of me. Everywhere I looked, I saw black. Finally, I broke the stupor of terror long enough to reach for an alternative light source, the mini-mag on my helmet. I was like, I'm almost like, just be in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> like, at some point, you're just like, I don't want to, I don't want to. Yeah, just like, you know. Just fumble your way back. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is like so, the thought of being like trapped down there. And like knowing something is near you. Something oh is, God. like, moving that fucking rock around. I twisted the light to turn it on, and when I did, I nearly cried. I had forgot to put fresh batteries in, and now I can barely see more than a few feet. Still, it was better than nothing. I immediately began shining the light with all my might into the larger room. I strained to get a glimpse of any movement in the room. Nothing. I was shaking violently as I sat there trying to figure out what to do. My mind was not thinking clearly. I honestly thought I was going to die right there in the cave. For a fleeting moment, I wondered how B would ever figure out what had happened to me. Then it hit me like a boulder. The phone. My mind must have been clearing up at that point because I also thought about my glow sticks. Handy glow sticks. Mm -hmm. Set up payoff. We yep. love to see it in the story. Without taking my eyes off the large room, I felt around for my pack of glow sticks. And then there's a note from Ted that says, Since I was carrying the phone and video camera, I removed as much as possible from my pack, and one of the things I left with B was my backup headlamp. Thus, I was left with only the glow sticks. Mm. So back to the story. I found one and ripped it out of the package. I could tell something was wrong by how it sounded. It had been inadvertently broken and was now useless. I chucked it on the ground and searched in my pack for another one. I took my eyes off the large room only to check the passage behind me occasionally. I found another glow stick and broke it to light it up. 
The soft green glow created eerie colors on the walls of the cave. The stick provides barely enough light to see the immediate area, and provided no hint of what lie ahead. I felt the pack for one more light, again without taking my eyes off the room. I felt a third glow stick and ripped it out of the package. After breaking it to make sure it worked, I hesitated, then threw the glow stick into the dark room. I mean, it's smart, but I'm stressed. Yeah, I'm terrified because I don't want to know what it is yet. Like, I don't want to know I what's in there. I don't want to know. I can't. The throw was a perfect one, and the stick sailed through the length of the room. In the brief moment that the light traveled through the room, I saw nothing but cave walls. The absence of anything unusual did nothing to ease my panic. At the far end of the room, I got a gl brief glimpse of the round rock as the light bounced on it. Then the light went behind the rock and seemed to disappear. I was still shaking, but at least I didn't see anything. Still, there was that noise. Ugh. I'm like, oh. I literally have goosebumps. I used the glow stick to light the phone reel, and with fumbling fingers, I managed to plug my phone into the jack. I put the phone in my ear and heard nothing. The usual beeps that indicated connection with the other phone were not there. Terrified, I pulled the phone from the jack and reinserted it. Again, silence. The line was dead. What could have happened? I just talked to B. I found myself nearly sobbing with fear. I knew the only way out of here was back the way I came. But something was there. A third attempt to make contact with B met with the same result. I tried to think of another plan, but I could only focus on the memories of the grinding sound that I had heard. In my weakened state, I slumped against the side of the passage, breathing like I had just finished a race, never breaking eye contact with the shadows of the large room. As my shoulder touched the wall, I felt a powerful jolt of pain, reminding me of my collision with the roof of the cave. Despair, agony, terror. I can't say exactly how long I sat there, but my feet were tingling and my knees were sore. The pain in my back crept lower, although my neck felt no different. I resolved to make an attempt to exit this evil passage. I knew if I waited too long, I would lose what little light I had. I attempted to stand, but did not have the strength. I crawled slowly to the near end of the large room, dragging my pack beside me. Using the walls of the cave, I was able to stand slowly, though not straight due to my sore back. Still breathing rapidly, I slowly advanced through the room. I'm so fucking stressed, dude. You do not... <sighs> my heart is, like, racing. Yeah. I can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> this is, like... I'm terrified. I can't even explain that kind of fear of being, like, in this horrible dark cave and you have to walk through a room where you just heard this, like, inhuman noise mm -hmm. of someone moving a giant rock that couldn't have been a person. Yeah. I wound up the phone wire as I went. My eyes were staring straight ahead, straining for any signs of movement. With every step, my light would cast ever-changing shadows on the wall, keeping me busy trying to look at everyone. My eyes burned as I realized I had not blinked for several minutes. How many? How long had it been going on? The only sounds I could hear were the crunch of my feet on the broken rock and the wheeze of my breath. As I wound the cord, I could hear the squeak of the wheel, with each turn bringing me closer to the tomb, closer to B, closer to safety. The short trip through the room took an eternity. As I passed the crude drawing, it seemed to glow, as if, as if offering some sort of warning. I didn't know what the drawing represented, but everything about this cave seemed to instill fear. Toward the far end of the room, I could see the dimly lit round rock. Something seemed so different about it, but I couldn't tell what. When I got within a few feet, I could finally tell what had changed. It had moved. That was the sound I heard. Again, terror gripped my entire body as I realized how close I was to something. I had no choice but continue. Still, it was not easy. 
I inch towards the rock, holding the glow stick ahead of me in my shaking hand, using it to pierce the darkness. I stopped just this side of the rock and wound up the slack in the phone wire. Then I realized why I'd lost contact with B. The rock was sitting on the wire. I gave it a tug and the thin wire snapped. My only hope of contact with the outside world ceased to exist when that wire broke. I have never felt so alone and helpless, buried deep within the earth. I had voluntarily descended into my own grave with a casket of solid rock. With the phone now useless, I set it down in the passage. My gaze fixed on the round rock, I proceeded forward. My breath was rapid, with my throat dry and aching and my mouth dusty. With every crunch of the rock below my feet, my heart seemed to stop. No movement could be seen in the green glow of my stick. I got to the rock and peered over the top. Seeing nothing, I took several rapid steps past it. When I reached the other side, I recoiled in horror at what I saw. In the side of the passage near the floor was a hole with another passage revealed. It had been covered by the rock, but now it was exposed. The rock could not have moved by itself. <laughs> ah! I like it. This is so scary. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I backed away from the hole and collided with the opposite wall. I had not been paying attention to the pain in my back, but now it came back to me in all its fury. I stared down the newly discovered passage. It went down at a 45 degree angle and continued straight for as far as I could see. Several feet down, I could see the glow stick that I had thrown. It illuminated the passage enough that I could tell that the walls were fairly smooth. The floor seemed to be the same, unlike the rest of the cave. The passage was about three feet in diameter, as far as I could see. It would have been an easy passage to explore, if I had had the least desire to do so. <laughs> right now, I wanted out of the cave and into daylight. I slowly backed away from the hole toward B. I never took my eyes off the abyss. I nearly tripped over the phone wire as I turned to leave this devil's lair. I noticed my mini-mag was practically dead, leaving me only with the glow stick. I wanted to sprint to Floyd's tomb. Just hearing another human being would have alleviated some of the fear I was experiencing. As I turned away from the large rock and the hole, I felt an overwhelming sense of panic fill my soul. It felt like a legion of demons was about to attack me from behind. I felt like my salvation lie ahead of me in the darkness and Lucifer was behind me trying to keep me from safety. I found myself moving much faster than I should have been in that cave. My only thought was to get out as quickly as possible. I passed the crystal formation, barely even noticing this beautiful creation of nature in the green glow of my light. Every time I ducked to avoid a rock, I felt my back scream its reminder of my injury. When I got to the point in the passage where I had to crawl, I flung myself down on all, floor all fours, barely slowing down as I dropped. When my hands came in contact with the cave floor, I felt an electric shock shoot all the way down my back and simultaneously down my arms. For the first time since this nightmare had begun, I let out a scream. I crumpled down and lay there on the rock, with new levels of pain manifesting every time I inhaled. Whimpering from fear and pain, I tried to listen to any other noises in the cave. I could feel the silence pounding in my head. I knew from previous trips that B was still out of earshot, but I was close. Forcing myself to move, I winced as I pulled my body onto all fours and started to progress along the cave. I still held the glow stick in my hand, but I had ceased checking behind me. Now my focus was ahead of me. I reached the point where I could yell to B, but I didn't make a sound. I didn't want to stop long enough to talk. Finally, I reached the last stretch of cave before the squeeze. As I was crawling towards the beginning of the tomb, I called to B. 
He answered back. I screamed to him to get everything ready to go. He asked if I was okay. Since he hadn't heard from me on the phone, he'd gotten worried. I told him no and to get everything ready to go. When I reached the rope, I flipped off my helmet and shoved it in my pack. For the first time, I realized I had forgotten my video camera. It was a fleeting thought. I cared no more about that camera than a passenger of the Titanic cared about a hat or a coat. I tied the pack to the rope and told him to pull it, at, pull it through. Then I told him to start heading towards the sur surface as soon as he could pull the rope through. He asked why, and I screamed that there was something in the cave with us. That's so scary. That's so scary. Oh my god. I feel like if I was like, there's something else in this cave, and it hasn't made itself fully known to me yet, like, it's not, like, being aggressive and coming directly after me, and someone, like, way far away was like, what's going on? I would just be like, later, like, we're going. Yeah. I would not scream that there was something with us in the cave. I know. Because that thing is beelining towards you. That thing is going to get you before you can tell anybody about where it is. I'm like, you lie, Ted. You, you say, lie. I'm about to shit myself. We You're gotta like, go. I just hurt my bag. It's fine. Or something. Like, it's an know. emergency. Yeah. Just be like, we're going. Yeah. Jesus. No, I would not make that known. Ooh. My back ached with every move I made. I knew it didn't matter, though. I was going to get through the tomb as fast as I could, injuries notwithstanding. Just as I started into the squeeze, I felt the wind of the passage increase. And with it, the most nauseating stench I have ever experienced. It smelled like damp, rotting, rancid, putrid death. I almost started to dry heave. I pulled my shirt over my nose to shield it from the overpowering smell. At this point, B smelled it too. He yelled, what is that? Then he yelled for me to hurry up and get through. I told him I was coming. Then I took a deep breath through my shirt and started back through. B's yelling had intensified my fear and panic as if I needed any help. I knew he is funny. <laughs> yeah. I knew he could sense the urgency in getting out of this place. Still, as I worked my way through, I yelled at him to start up that I would catch up with him when I got through. He said he would. He placed my glow stick inside the passage and then began to climb out. This time through the squeeze, I had no regard for the tightness of the passage. I was scraping my face, ears, arms, and shoulders. Each inch of the squeeze meant numerous scratches on my body, but I barely noticed them. My back was nearly paralyzing me with pain. <sighs> Once again, I felt the rising need to vomit because of the odor being delivered to my nostrils by the breeze. Halfway through Floyd's tomb, I took a break to catch my breath. I was approaching exhaustion and my respiration rate was through the roof. As I paused briefly to recuperate, I heard the scraping noise coming from deep within the cave. It continued for several seconds, then silence. I let out a cry which startled me. I was no longer consciously reacting to the noise. The cry was a subconscious reaction to the fear which flowed through my body. In a panic, I began to scoot through the passage. As I reached the largest part of the tomb, I quickly slid my arms under my body to get into position to exit through the hole. I grabbed the rope and pulled with all my might. When my shoulders reached the hole, they lodged and I was stuck. I dug my feet into the rocks and wiggled my way back into the passage. Then I turned my body slightly and tried again. This time I was successful in pulling my upper body through. Normally, I would carefully work my way out since it's a three-foot drop on the outside of the hole. This time, I kicked with my legs and pulled with my arms and plop, I dropped right out of the tomb. 
right onto my shoulder. Oh, God. I tried to roll to soften the impact, but I was unable to do anything more than take the blow. Strangely, the pain was focused on my shoulder, apparently not affecting my already sore back. Dude, well, you that's good. you were in shock. You were in <laughs> deep, deep shock. Yeah. Like, serious, like... Like, your body is working overtime. So much adrenaline. Yeah. I rolled over onto all fours, then slowly rose to my feet. The smell was much less intense outside of the passage. I grabbed the glow stick and used it to find my helmet. I began to head for the webbing to climb up while strapping on my helmet. When I got to the webbing, I reached up to grab hold and recoiled in horror. In the glow of the glow stick, I could see for the first time the injuries to my arms. My forearms were covered in deep cuts and scratches. Much of my arm was covered with blood. The wounds were not deep enough to bleed freely, but rather oozed the blood. In the brief moment that I had stopped, I noticed that there was a silence in the cave. No sounds coming from the passage and nothing from up ahead. Once again, the feeling of being alone returned, motivating me to proceed. Climbing up, the little drop-off proved to be difficult in my condition. Having the glow stick as the only light source added to the challenge. Once on top, I scrambled to catch up with B. I was impressed with the speed of my ascent. Oh my god. <laughs> ah! That's so scary. I'm stressed. I swear to God, they're going to say some shit like we got to go back. Of course. I'm going to hurt someone. So we have a note from Ted. Although I did not mention any more of my physical condition during my exit, I was hurting. With every step I took, pain shot through my lower back and neck. My arms were shredded and my shoulder had a nice gash in it. I honestly believe that were it not for the terror I felt at the time, I would not have had the energy and the motivation to climb out. I was running on pure adrenaline. Unfortunately, the adrenaline surge was about to end. I did not see or hear B until I reached the small area at the bottom of the drop. He was on the rope and climbing out as fast as he could. I could hear him moving quickly and breathing heavily. I called out to him and his startled reaction told me that he was nearly as tense as I was. He told me to get on the rope and start climbing. We both knew that would be dangerous and not something we would normally ever do. But this was different. I stood there looking up at where the rope disappeared into the darkness above me. It danced around as B made his way to safety. He was out of sight, but I knew he was close. I knew the rope was a lifeline to the outside, to safety. Behind me was darkness, fear, the unknown. I had the fleeting thought of a movie scene where the actor had outwitted the monster and had reached the front door of a haunted house. Just as he reaches for the knob, he hears the sound behind him and turns, only to see... Honestly, Ted, not the time to not be thinking time. about that. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go. We gotta, we gotta go. focus. I slid the glow stick into the cord on my helmet and reached for my harness. Then I thought I would let B get a little higher up while I pulled the rope up that was stretched down into the cave. That would make it easier to get out once we were at the top of the drop. I chose not to wind the rope around my arm. Obviously, you're, like, covered in cuts. Mm-hmm. Since it was sore and bleeding. Duh. We, I just said that. Duh, Ted, aren't you listening? <laughs> so I just pulled it into a pile on the floor. From above, I heard B warn me, rock, and I ducked under the ledge as several small rocks landed on the floor near me. I quickly went back to pull the rope in. I had about half of it in, about 50 feet, when the rope hit a snag. Ugh, it was solid. There was no way I was going to crawl back in to the, release it. So I decided to just forget the rope and get my harness on and get out of the cave. He's the only time he's been making good decisions. So since he got the fear of God put in. Yeah. Jesus. Truly. I quickly threw the harness around me and started to buckle it. Before I could secure it, I heard a strange noise at my feet. My pulse began to quicken. 
I looked down at the rope, only to discover, to my horror, that the rope was disappearing down into the darkness. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Something was pulling the rope back into the cave. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Nope. Nope. This is horrifying. Oh my god. (laughs) I let go of the harness and began clawing my way up the rope. The unbuckled harness fell to the floor. Fortunately, I held on to an ascender. At that moment, I could not think straight and began climbing out of the cave without being attached to the rope. Then he added a note. I had climbed out many times without using an ascending device, but I was always attached to the rope, just in case. I was climbing as fast as my battered body could haul me up. I was in a near panic state again, and consequently was scraping, bumping, and gouging my arms and legs. As I climbed, I screamed to be that something was pulling the rope. He yelled back to hurry up. Luck was with me that I didn't slip and fall back down into the hole. If I had, I would have bounced several times against the sides of the cave before smashing onto the floor. The injuries would have been fatal. Maybe it would have been a gift, rather than falling back down there with whatever the fuck is down there with you. Without the necessity of having to stop to slide the cinder up the rope, I made excellent time getting up. I could see rays of light above me, coming from the entrance of the cave. That told me exactly where I was in the cave. I caught up to be on the ledge below where our rebelay point was fixed. I told him to keep going. It would only take him a few minutes, but every second would be torture because I had to wait for him to get up. I watched the rope that he had just climbed up. I expected to see some creature from deep within the earth climb up and make me its lunch. The rope moved around a bit in rhythm with B's climbing, but did not appear to have any tension on it. As I stood there waiting for B, I kept watching the rope for any signs of anything bizarre. I didn't know if my heart could take any more stress. I could not have been more wired. I tried to relax a bit to make sure I was thinking rationally, but my poor brain had reached sensory overload. As B reached the top of the last climb, I got ready to clip on my ascender and get my sorry butt out of there. (laughs) Can't say ass? No, he can't say ass. It was then that I noticed that the rope began to tighten from below. I could feel the tension on the rope, but it was a steady tension. Not like someone was climbing. Either way, I wanted out of there as fast as possible. I clipped on and scrambled up the rope. I hadn't noticed, but B had kept on moving forward toward the entrance. I got up the last few feet in a hurry. I just unclipped and kept on moving, leaving the rope behind. By the time I got to the entrance of the cave, in daylight, B was already up there where the rope was anchored. I wanted to get up so bad, I almost started to free climb without clipping onto the rope. I could see B was almost up, so I climbed on and started up. I almost didn't make it up. I had just started up, a lot of ups, when I nearly collapsed from exhaustion. I managed to recover enough to pull myself up the last few feet. As I climbed, I could hear the tension on the rope manifest itself by the stretching noise in the rope. I prayed the rope would not break with me attached to it. The second that I reached the top, I unclipped the ascender. I could see B kneeling down by the tree, so I limped over to him and collapsed. For the first time since I went through Floyd's tomb, we could see each other. We just stared. I knew I looked pretty bad, but didn't know that B was in such bad shape. I know he means like cuts, probably, but it sounds like he's roasting him again. Yeah. I didn't realize she was in such bad shape, Oh my god, I didn't realize that you were like... Not in great shape. (laughs) He had cuts and scrapes on every exposed surface of his body. His face was pale, almost white. His mouth and his eyes were wide open. He was breathing heavily, almost gasping. The shock we shared at the other person's appearance was broken when we heard the rope around the tree stretch 
and the knot B had tied tighten. I was frozen in place, overwhelmed by fright. B seemed to be transfixed on the knot. Then, in one motion, he produced a pocket knife and began to work on the rope. Very good job, mm-hmm. B. Like, great thinking. Yeah, super smart. Good job. Yeah. It is amazing how a person's state of mind can alter the perception of time. I'm sure it only took four to five seconds to sever the rope from the tree, but it seemed like an hour. When the rope was cut, the knot fell to the ground, while the end of the rope zipped across the rocks and over the edge of the cliff, the speed of it causing a humming noise as it went. As soon as the rope was cut, B let out a cry. He dropped the knife and fell backwards. Watching the rope fly over the edge brought the feelings in the passage back to me. I got up and headed toward the truck. I noticed B was still laying there, wide-eyed, staring at the point the rope disappeared. I called to him, which seemed to break his trance. He got up and hurried away from the tree, the cave, the nightmare. Neither of us said a word on the way home. The image of the rope tightening and him, like, pulling it up around his feet. Yeah. And then it's slowly getting dragged into the darkness. And then that last shot in my brain of, like, him cutting the rope and it just disappearing into the cave is so scary. It's so terrifying. It's so terrifying. It's, yeah, the watching the rope being pulled on, obviously, you know, unclipping it, and then it's getting pulled into the cave. And then him looking at the rope, having no tension. And he's like, okay, just sitting there waiting for his friend to, like, move on up. And then the tension on the rope. And not, specifically not, like, in a way that something is climbing it. Like, something is just holding on to it. Just, like, biding its time. Yeah. It's just, like, fucking with you. Yeah, and it feels like the thing probably had the strength to just pull that rope and just, like, knock all of their equipment off and kill both of them. But it was just, like, holding on. As a side note, the image of a scary whatever trying to climb up this rope and then it being cut unexpectedly is very funny it is very in funny. my brain yeah and he's like i'm gonna get you and then he's like, he's like what the <laughs> and then he just dies he's like that's fucking rude honestly like it's so rude <laughs> like the fuck i thought i was gonna be with you guys like you kept coming into my house whatever i didn't even want to be it's fine like, like it's fine i was just having a chat with your friend joe and then he just like left really abruptly and i thought it was super weird and i thought you know, maybe I just said something weird and I just scared him off. I get it. We're, like, not close or whatever. And, like, I, you know, I was just being way too overly comfortable. But then you guys came back and I was like, okay, well, maybe I wasn't being that weird. And, like, he just, like, really, really wanted you guys to come along. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. Like, I'm making friends. I'm branching this is great. I came out of my little hubby hole. I can finally prove to my mom that I can be an introvert and make friends. <laughs> and <laughs> Living in my just, little like, cave down here. Started screaming. <laughs> just like, um, why are you doing that? He's like, you came into my house, okay? You came into my house and started yelling? Yeah, he's like, I have been nothing but a generous host. I moved the very heavy rock out of the way so that you could come down to the lower level, which is honestly my favorite, okay? I've got games down there. I don't even know. And food. I've got a full bar. But, you, you come know. into your house, you injure yourself. I hope you're not going to sue me over this. Because you know, I was not responsible for I you injuring yourself. I said nothing when you guys were doing your little construction project over there. <laughs> I, I was really very polite. I let you do that. I just <laughs> let you destroy my property. Because I don't even want that hole there. But fine. Whatever. Anything for my new friends. But I'm just a trusting person. And I just... <laughs> I've just been really betrayed once again. <laughs> oh my god. The story is amazing. It's so scary. Yeah. The jokes of it do make me feel better because that image has just like 
it burned into my brain the first time I read this and it has stayed there. Yeah, absolutely. The like rope getting dragged back into the darkness, but he's still stuck down there. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Very no, scary. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely not. I'm going to have nightmares about this. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this, we have a little note from Ted. It is now four days after our trip to the cave. It has taken me four days and dozens of attempts to get this entire experience written into my journal. Every time I started to write, I recalled the terrible feelings I had and couldn't write anymore. I felt compelled to continue. So as to document the unbelievable events, while all of the details were fresh in my mind, I can still feel the pain, still smell the stench, still experience the terror. Even typing from my journal has taken hours. I would like to write more, but it will have to wait. Even now, with several days between me and the event, I can't relax. I can barely concentrate. That's all for now. It's only been four days, dude. Yeah, I'm like, give yourself a break. Yeah. Go to the hospital, maybe? Oh my god, there's a lot of blue in the next one. I think it's all oh, blue. Oh, it's all blue. Okay. I don't have any more of his original journal. Wow, so crazy. So this is fresh and happening. Ooh. So yes, this is the final entry. This is the one from May 19th. 2001. It has been three weeks since our last visit to the cave. Thank God. I thought they were going back. Oh my God. I want to update everyone as to my condition, my plans for the cave, and the events of the past few weeks. (laughs) My plans for the cave sounds like he's going to blow it up. (laughs) I hope so. I hope he does. Like, you should do that. You should do that. I apologize for not returning your phone calls. You guys had Ted's number? Honestly, who are these people? I've been getting all of your messages. I just haven't felt up to calling back. I feel that. Yeah. I get that way every now and then, and I don't even have to go into a scary cave. It's weird that he's like, oh, I'm not going to tell any names of anybody around this, whatever, for, you know, identity purposes. And then immediately he's like, Steve and Mark. (laughs) Steve and Mark, thank you for your words of encouragement on my answering machine. I know you two are sincerely concerned for me. You are awesome friends, Mark. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> it was like friends, what? Mark. <laughs> that was super weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were awesome friends, Mark. Not you, Steve. Get fucked. <laughs> you were awesome friends. Mark, I know you stopped by the house a few times, and I'm sorry I never answered the door. It really helped me just knowing you dropped by. Sis, I can hear the worry in your voice. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. Just take care of those nieces and nephews of mine. First time we're hearing about this in the story, honestly, Honestly, Ted. I hate that you call her sis. I know. Are we in a porn? Like, seriously. I I know we've been making a lot of jokes, but you can't be making these jokes, too. Honestly. And I know you were, like, one of the horniest motherfuckers alive. The way you just kept throwing out the word virgin. The way that this was basically just a love story between you and B. This whole thing. But I digress. I figure if I can get this site updated, I can let everyone know at once how I'm doing. A lot has happened in the last three weeks, so I'll do my best to cover everything. I guess I should start- Yeah, a lot of trauma. (laughs) Just unrelated. It's just like people he knows, like, from work. I was at the hospital, right? So, this one nurse. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I should start where the last entry left off. It took several days to get the last journal entry written down. I was so shook up from the experience that I could do little else but sit around and ponder what had happened. Right now, I'm on a long-term medical leave from work. 
I tried to go to work several days after the event, but my boss sent me home. I couldn't concentrate, and I looked terrible. I've even been to the doctor, but I couldn't tell him about the experience, so I just told him I was under a lot of stress. Oh, so stress is what cut, cut up your arms and legs a million times? I don't know why you couldn't tell him about your experience, because you could just not say that it's a crazy monster demon thing. You could just be like, it was just there. I got injuries while going in and out I was, of like, cave. caving, and there were, I think there was, like, an animal down there, and it just really freaked me out, yeah. and I ended up injuring my head. Like, yeah. Learn to lie. Yeah, and it hurt my back, and so I figured I had to crawl back, but it's also a really hard crawl, so I scratched up my arms and stuff. That'd be very normal. Mm-hmm. He recommended rest and gave me a prescription to help me relax. Mmm, good drugs. <laughs> what, are you a cop? Are you a narc? Are you a snitch? I'm like, this is the start of the opioid crisis. Mmm, <laughs> good drugs. You're like, damn, these drugs be working. When we left the cave, I was nearly in a state of shock. Nearly. You, you were, were. You, you were, were in a state of shock since you hit your fucking head and you could barely feel your neck, dude. I could not think clearly and was having a difficult time trying to understand what had happened. I didn't eat much, nor did I get any sleep. I was glad I had the presence of mind to write down my experience while it was fresh in my mind. As I reread what I wrote, I feel like I accurately portrayed what happened in the cave that day. I wouldn't change anything I wrote. Okay, it seems like you were lying. Yeah, it's really weird to be like, I wrote the truth, and then I read it over, and I was like, that's the truth, babe. I, I don't want you over me. I don't regret by saying the truth. Like, okay. Are you fucking Bill Clinton? Like, what is this? <laughs> my lawyer read over my note and said it was good, and I could say it. Even though it took three days to write it, when I finished writing in my journal, I felt much better. I guess it was kind of therapeutic. Unfortunately, it didn't last. In fact, it was after that that things got really bad. Uh-oh. B and I parted company after the trip, and I didn't see him again until yesterday. I didn't try to reach him, and he didn't try to get a hold of me. Nor did either of us try to contact Joe. B just dropped me off after the trip, and I spent the next several days by myself in my house. I tried to eat, but I had no appetite. I was restless, but I couldn't find anything to do to keep my mind off of the experience. That's when I determined that I should write it down. As I mentioned, that helped me think a little clearer, and I seemed to be a little calmer, but it didn't last. I went to work the next day, but was sent home. The day after that, I had an overwhelming feeling of anxiety sink into my soul. I was depressed and confused and had no one I wanted to turn to for comfort. I was getting all kinds of phone calls from people, but I just let the answering machine take the calls. I even changed the message on the machine to let everyone know I was alright. I continued in this miserable state, eating and sleeping whenever I could manage, until a week after the trip. Then things started getting strange. Uh-oh. Good lord. Mm -hmm. At first I was hearing sounds in the house that had no explanation. Footsteps. Shuffling noises. Creaking doors. You know, the typical horror movie fare. <laughs> Only the sounds were not distinct. It was as though I wasn't sure if I heard what I thought I heard. I would be eating or getting out of the shower and stop thinking I heard something, but the sound would not repeat itself. In fact, if it weren't for the fact that it happened frequently, I couldn't be sure there were noises in the first place. That sounds like PTSD. Yes, that's exactly what it's <laughs> like. I have lived in a state of stress for years. Yeah, I'm like, that is PTSD. You, you were... just like stand there and then you're like, what was that? And you're reliving your trauma. No, nobody made a noise. I'm like, do you guys hear that? <laughs> it's like, nothing is happening. Nothing's happening. Either way, I was scared. It was as though I had been caught in a spider web for the last week, 
feelings of anxiety, foreboding, tension filled my life. Then came the hallucinations. Oh, shit. already been hallucinating. Yeah, maybe this whole thing was a hallucination. You ever think about that, Ted? (laughs) Maybe you're just crazy. I began seeing things in a manner similar to the sounds I was hearing. Just a glimpse of something in the corner of my eye. When I would turn to look, nothing. I had been sleeping with the lights on in my room, but now I kept all the lights on in the house, from before dusk till after dawn. When I started to see things on a regular basis, I purchased a gun. Okay. (laughs) I just want to say this so everybody knows. Yeah. If you think you are having auditory or visual hallucinations. Especially both. What I want you to do is not buy a gun. No. Maybe go to the gym. Mm Mm-hmm. Do a light exercise mm-hmm. and then go to your normal practitioner and be like, I need the number for a psychiatrist. Yes. Because meds could really help me out. Mm-hmm. You definitely need a psychiatric referral ASAP. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even if it is a ghost demon, I feel like antipsychotic meds might also kind of just make it go away. You know, you never know like, unless you try. I feel like Ted spent a lot of this story willing to just keep his head in the sand. Mm-hmm. And I think this would be similar. Like, you just pretend you don't see him. Just ignore it. That demon's in your house waiting for you to figure it out. Yeah. And if you're just like, la dee dying through life on your antipsychotics, taking a lot of pain meds. It seems like this demon was not going to go anywhere near you guys until you were aware of its existence. I.e. through Joe. Like... It, that was when I feel like it was really, like, making moves towards you guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where I was like, before, you heard it sounds and stuff of it just existing there. But you were like, it doesn't exist. So it didn't come after you. Mm-hmm. So I think you can just keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Just ignore its existence. It'll go away. <laughs> That's terrible advice. <laughs> I mean, is it, though? Is it, though? Because sometimes interacting with, like, if it was psychosis... Interacting with it can make it a lot worse. That's why people who have hallucinations, you shouldn't try and pretend that you can see it. Or, like, if they say, I'm hallucinating that this is over there. If you even, like, look over there, it can make their hallucinations worse because they are acknowledging it. Yes. Um, And also, in a lot of demon, ghost, poltergeist lore, interacting with something, trying to talk to it, trying to, like, make contact makes makes it it more powerful. Yeah. So in both cases, ignoring it can be the right answer. Sometimes saying nothing is the right response. Less is more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, right. So this is back to the gun. Oh, God. Um, got it from an ad in the paper, so I didn't have to wait for a permit. Oh, my God. So you obtained it illegally. I went to the doctor, but didn't mention the details of my life. There is no reason to Why go to not? the doctor if you're not going to talk about your life. My God. Just told him I couldn't relax, and I walked out of there with a prescription. It's not the right prescription. Yeah, they, they just gave you Xanax, Xanax, and you need an antipsychotic medication. <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> I'm just really stressed, and I bought a gun out of the newspaper. <laughs> Fortunately, my wounds and injuries were pretty much healed by this time. Damn, that's fucking fast. Yeah. My back still hurt a little, but the prescription took care of that, Oh, I too. guess he is on opioids. Oh, true. Right. When I was on the medication, I felt great, but I didn't want to walk around high for the rest of my life, so I would only take it at the end of a tough day. Unfortunately, the severity of the sightings increased, giving rise to a need for the medication. The flashes in the corner of my eye continued, but then I began to see shapes and shadows. 
They would be outside my windows, usually at night. I still couldn't make out anything solid, so it was hard to pin down what I was seeing. Soon I began to close all of my drapes and blinds so I could remove the possibilities of seeing something. Doing so did help in that respect, but my life was still a mess. My daily routine was mechanical and empty. I would sleep in as long as I could, usually out of exhaustion. Then I would get cleaned up and try to eat something. I lost a lot of weight, so I tried to get as much as possible down me. Down me? <laughs> oh my god. That's a weird Don't way to say it like that, Ted. <laughs> I know you're going through a lot, but like, Jesus. Then I would exercise a little and nap a lot. I had only been out of the house a few times in the last two weeks. The store, the doctor, the gun purchase. I hate to say this, but including the gun purchase, this does sound like someone at the beginning of quarantine. Yes, it really does. Like, buying a gun, sleeping really late, then trying to eat some food, doing a little home exercise because we were all doing that. Yeah. And then napping. (laughs) And then not leaving the house for several weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Including the next sentence. I didn't watch much TV because I couldn't concentrate. I spent a lot of time on the internet. Yep. I was doing research on caves and cave myths. The only story I could find was the cave folklore about the Hodag. 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 (laughs) H-O-D-A-G. If anyone wants to learn how to pronounce that, let me know. See, I want to make fun of him for this. Yeah. But... I also spend a lot of time on the internet, and I did spend a lot of time researching caves and cave myths. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I've never heard of the Hodag. Maybe Alaska's dead. <gasps> I'm really old, guys. Dun, dun, dun. Hold on one second. Well, then who's B? Hodag. Mind your own business. <laughs> Hodag. That's how you spell it. Hodag. Hodag. <laughs> the Hodag. Well, I'm going to include in the Instagram for this episode a picture of the Hodag. Ooh, fun. I didn't know we had a picture. Yeah, I looked it up and there's a bunch of photos of what it's supposedly supposed to look like. Cool, 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 cool. So look out for that. The Hodag. The Hodag. (laughs) (laughs) Hodag. Yes, your honor. (laughs) And which word were you referring to? Your honor. (laughs) That was a little IT crowd joke for Mm -hmm. all of our... um, Big comedy fans. <laughs> the Hodag is supposedly a creature that roams caves. All right. Well, mind your own business and just, like, let him roam caves. It's like, that's his house. I'm like, it's just, he's just in there. <laughs> like. <laughs> That'd be like being, like, a dolphin is a creature that roams oceans. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, like, where he lives. It's, like, his house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I'm like, roams caves implies that he doesn't live there. Yeah. Like, where does he live, then? Like, Is he living your house? <laughs> He's actually been Ted's roommate. He's like, you know, I just feel like your weird obsession with Hodags after we moved in together. Like, I know you want to be inclusive and you're really working on anti-racism, but I feel like maybe this is like the wrong direction to take that. I am a medieval creature that roams caves in my free time. That is my job. Um, but I just feel like maybe you don't need to do so much research about me and maybe you could just like be normal and like be my friend. Like, get to know me for me. I love to think about it as not even a creature, as just, like, a regular human being whose last name is Hodag, and they're just, like, they they were just, like, a Renaissance Fair fan. Like, they go and, like, do, like, costumey things and stuff, and they're like, hey, man, like, you guys, like, you know it's not real, right? Like, when I put on medieval wear, I'm not suddenly in, like, 
the 15th century or some shit. Like, it's just for funsies. Like, don't, like, act like I'm some weird myth. Like, I'm right here in front of you. (laughs) It's so funny. We've got, we've got a lot of sidetracks in this episode. A lot of, a lot of bits, but it's fun. I love how he didn't elaborate. Yeah. I thought there was going to be more to that, but he really just says, the only story I could find was the caver folklore about the hodag. Mm Mm-hmm. The Hodag is supposedly a creature that roams caves. Yeah. I End thought, of paragraph. I thought there was going to be, like, the next paragraph was going to describe it. I don't know. Maybe it'll come up later. But I'm not seeing anything yet. Hold on. No, it is only mentioned twice. Cool. Um, so let's let's have a quick sidetrack. Okay, let's, let's go for it. So the Hodag, in American folklore, mm-hmm. it's an American monster, Ooh. is a fearsome critter, which is... Um, <laughs> Sort of an oxymoron yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. Resembling a large bullhorned carnivore with a row of thick curved spines down its back. Hmm. It was said to be born from the ashes of cremated oxen as Whoa. the incarnation of the accumulation of abuse that animals had suffered at the hands of their masters. Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> That's not what I expected. Yeah. It is heavily tied to the city of Riley. Rhinelander. Mm-hmm. It's a city in Wisconsin, so I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Mm. Where it was claimed to have been discovered there. The stories show up as early as Paul Bunyan stories. Wow. Um, it was actually published in a newspaper in 1893. Oh. The article claimed the hodag had the head of a frog, the grinning great, the grinning face of a giant elephant. Not sure what that means. Thick, short legs. Set off by huge claws. Honestly, mind your own business and don't mm-hmm. make fun of his short legs. Oh my god, yeah. The back of a dinosaur and a long tail that spears at the end. Wow. Um, the Hodag was also featured on an episode of Scooby-Doo Mystery <gasps> Incorporated as the Hodag of Horror. They had to use dynamite to kill this beast, which I don't think you should have killed it. No. I think it looks really cute. All of the photos are really adorable. Oh, except for this one. That's scary. <laughs> that was pretty scary, actually. We'll post that on there, I think. Yeah. We should go to Rhinelander. They are, like, it's their official symbol. I love that. They, it looks like all these photos, they, like, decorate it and stuff for, like, Christmas, Halloween. They have a mask on it currently for COVID. There is a larger-than-life fiberglass-struck sculpture of a hodag created by a local artist on the grounds of their Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. I love that. Their ice arena houses two hodags. See, it just seems like the hodags are cute little critters. Um, maybe big critters. Yeah. And it was just minding its own business. I feel like you didn't need to give it a drive-by. Especially Honestly. if you weren't going to tell us about the lovely and enjoyable history of the hodag. Honestly. Um, so, jot that down. <sighs> Anyways, I guess we'll get back to Ted. Mm-hmm. All right, Ted wow us with your PTSD. The way I almost said that, like, exact thing. <laughs> I was about to say wow us. I was like... Mm. <laughs> well, I said it anyways. So. Yeah. Same brain. Two weeks after we went into the cave, and a week after I began hearing things, I began to have nightmares. Extremely lucid nightmares. No specific theme or recurring events. Just plain terrifying. Sometimes I was in my house and someone was trying to get to me. Only I couldn't run because I had no legs. Other times, I was in a vat, and someone was pouring a syrup-like liquid on me, filling the vat. I would wake up in a panic. 
I would stay awake until exhaustion forced me to enter dreamland once again. A brutal routine. It continued for several days until it reached a climax on the sixth day, yesterday. The way he said that is like the first week that God. I was thinking that too. (laughs) I was thinking that was like. On the sixth day, a God gave Ted nightmares. (laughs) He climaxed. My dream seemed so real. I had a hard time telling if I was awake or not. I was beat, really drained of energy and spirit. I was going from the living room to my bedroom in the early evening when I looked down the hall and saw a dark figure toward the end. I thought it was a thief and began to back up slowly. It didn't move. As I was backing up, the lights flickered off and on. Every muscle was tense. I stopped to stare at the figure. Just then, the phone rang. It startled me so bad, I stumbled over the chair. When I got up, I wheeled around to look down the hall, and nothing was there. I grabbed my keys and I left the house. I felt compelled to get in the car and drive. My pulse pounded in my temples as I got in and started the car. I wanted to drive to Overlook Point to see the city lights. I didn't know why I needed to go there, but I knew I had to go. The closer I got, the more urgent the feeling. When I arrived at the point, I saw something at the f- I saw something at first that startled me but then caused me to be more relaxed than I had been in a long time. Joe was there. Joe? Whoa. He was out of his car, standing, looking at the lights. We looked at each other. I could see from the tired look on his face, he had been going through the same miserable trial I had been experiencing. You could tell from the look on my face that we had shared some terrible experience. Our conversation was unbelievably brief. You been back? He began, even though he knew the answer. Yes. We need to return. Tomorrow good? I asked. Yeah, noon. He got in his car and I got in mine. I hadn't even wanted to talk to him about his experience. Obviously, he didn't want to know mine. I drove over to B's house. Why are you guys going back? I can't believe Joe is here. Honestly, and Joe wants to go back. That's so fucking weird. I'm like, this is crazy. What's going on? Honestly. When he answered the door, I thought that B actually looked like he was doing fine. Somewhat happy. One look at me and his disposition changed. Our conversation was also succinct. I ran into Joe and we're going back in tomorrow at noon. B looked dead serious. He just nodded his head. I asked him if I could spend the night at his house. He eagerly let me in. Oh, Mmm. Having a little uh, fun. I didn't notice until later, but every light in the house was turned on. He led me to his spare room. Help yourself. Thanks. I washed up in the bathroom, took some medication, and got the first decent sleep in a long while. I awoke early this morning and came home to get ready for the trip. I thought I would send out this update so no one will wonder what's going on with me. I suspect by the time most of you read this, I'll be back home and I'll have a great story to tell. I promise that if you haven't heard from me by now, you will very shortly. It is now 10 a.m. on Saturday the 19th. We will be leaving for the cave in two hours. Preparing for this trip will be like no other trip I've been on. For the first time in my life, I will carry a gun into the cave. (laughs) I will also carry a knife, an extensive first aid kit. Should have had that to begin with. Honestly. Plenty of food and water. Should have had that to begin with. Mm -hmm. A camera. Should have lost that. (laughs) I know. You have a camera down there. You don't need to bring one. Yeah. You left your other one down there. I will take- You get down there and it's just a monster, like, vlogging. Yeah, he's like, hey guys, welcome to my channel. (laughs) Hey guys. (laughs) I'm about to invent this thing called YouTube. I've invited James Charles and we're doing makeup. <laughs> James Charles, who's not born yet. <laughs> but you guys, you're going to love him. He's a scream. 
I will take several sources of light and a pad of paper and pencil. I will have to take all of my climbing rope since B lost his in the cave. God damn it, B. <laughs> B is all your fault. <laughs> I will carry a good length of rope with me on the other side of Floyd's tomb. And then this is in parentheses. This is the first time in three weeks that I have heard any reference to Floyd's tomb. It sent shivers up my spine just typing it. I mean, you are the ones who named it, and I'm sure most people don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. So. Yeah. Yeah, you would be the only person to reference it. Right. Like, honestly, if someone else is bringing it up, you better look out for your little copyright. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Watch out, Ted. Keep an eye out for Selena. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna steal your very boring and insensitive name. <laughs> like, imagine if I, like, found a cave, and I named it, like, John's Tomb. Like, how fucked up would that be? It's so fucking rude. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. Or, like, you can't do that. Shaw's Tomb. <laughs> be like, fuck. I'm gonna call it Ted's Tomb. Yeah. There are so many things I hope to accomplish this day. So many answers I hope to find in a tiny passage hidden from view. Reflecting on the events leading up to today leaves me feeling dizzy. Was this all a bad dream? Unfortunately, I am wide awake. And still in a few... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See, it's like... I'm like, rude. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I am, am wide awake. awake. <laughs> Fuck. Me too, dude. Me too. Every day I wake up against my will. <laughs> Every day I wake up. <laughs> and still, in a few short hours, I might face my nightmare. Might? You will. Yeah, you're going to. Yeah. I'm like, you could just not. He's down there. He's waiting. Yeah. He's, he's like, like Guys, I made a charcuterie board. He's been fucking with y'all, giving you bad dreams and shit. And he's like, you should come back. Come on Have you thought back. about coming back to my house? Come on back. <laughs> he's very seductive. He is. Again, very sexual. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. <laughs> Maybe I'm adding all the sexual layers to this. Damn, that'd be crazy. I need to, I need to re-identify my life. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of fan fiction, okay? So Alaska's just taking some notes for therapy, mm -hmm. and then we'll get right back to it. Really, I'm taking notes for our future video on fan fiction. Oh, true, 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 true. Because who needs to get better? <laughs> Not me. Not for the sake of comedy. <laughs> The thought of having another person with me in the passage does nothing to alleviate the- Alleviate. <laughs> alleviate. <laughs> alleviate. <laughs> Sorry. The thought of having another person with me in the passage does nothing to- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what? Looking at the I just- <laughs> I just like- I'm delirious. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay, wait, no, I can do it. If you, if you hurry, I can do it. <laughs> okay, 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 wait, hold on. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> the thought of having another person with me in the passage does nothing to alleviate the fear I feel. I honestly feel like I would feel better. Because if I'm going to get murdered by a monster, at least I'm there with friends. I'm going to do it with someone else. Yeah. <laughs> at least, like, it wouldn't be, like, somebody in the future found, like, just my body and was like, this fucking idiot. Like, there was three of us, you know. Yeah. And also, got ambushed. like... It's a tragic story. If I'm alone, I'm frozen with fear. Mm -hmm. But if I'm with someone and they're panicking in fear... I am... I go mom into... Mom friend override. Yes. Yeah. I go, like, hyper calm. I, I go from, like, like... Go, go, go. Freeze fawn mm -hmm. to, like, full fight. Yeah. I am ready to fight or run. I'm like, you want to get fucked up? You want to get fucked up? <laughs> I'm going to go down swinging. <laughs> but if I'm alone... I'm, I probably, st I, I, will. I feel like I do have a fight response and real fear because yeah. when I used to have extreme nightmares and I was in 
high school, I would stand up on my bed like I was about to fight the, you know, being that was in my room. Oh, okay. I definitely have a freeze one because when I would get scared, I would literally, like, not be able to move. I'd be paralyzed for, like, minutes. I almost chuckle as I ponder a childish notion that we will have to consider. Who will enter the tomb first? Who will lead the way into the dark unknown? Who will decide when to turn back? Foremost among the questions in my mind is, what about the video camera that I left behind? It is supposed to be able to record in complete darkness. I left the thing running. So what might we find on the tape? Darker questions follow. What if the camera is gone? What if it's destroyed? I would like to take a like a swing at answering these. Yeah. Who will enter the tomb first? It's Joe. It's Joe. Joe goes first. Yeah. Who will lead the way into the dark unknown? It's gotta be Ted. It's gotta be Ted, because he's seen it. Exactly. Who will decide when to turn back? B. It's B. Well, B won't be in there, though. He's in there in spirit. Okay. He's like, it's time to go. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Get back in here. Mm-hmm. I feel like B is the reasonable one. Yes. Um, If it's, you know, can kind of record, it didn't pick up anything. It's going to be really boring. It's going to be black darkness. Maybe but some sounds. I do feel like the hodag took it. And took it into his little hubby hole. Yeah. His little cubby. Yeah. I mean, I and would. good for him. You left it there. You he surrendered it. He was just it. cleaning up his house. He doesn't yeah. like to keep a messy place. He doesn't like clutter. Although it is difficult to put an exact name on my motivation, I think closure fits quite nicely. I think it's insanity. Yeah, I... Listen, you're gonna go back into a cave with a monster there? You need to be contacting people. Yep. Like, seriously contacting Not people. Not just updating your dumb little website. It means calling your sister back. Calling Steve and Mark back. I'm like, you were talking to, like, the cave rescue people. Yeah. I feel like they should be there. They should you be should there. You should be half people at every single stop. Yeah. Like they do when they go into underwater caves. Like, mm-hmm. what is this fucking amateur hour? Honestly. I need to find out a few things about this cave. The main thing, believe it or not, is to find the end of the cave. With all the bizarre things I have witnessed these past few weeks, it would seem a bit trite to want, as a primary goal, to get to the end. But that is what I want. To be sure, I will be seeking other bits of knowledge along the way. If, however, I find the end to the main passage and an end to the passage hidden by the rock, I will be content to never return to the passage or the cave again. Never. I mean, I feel like you should be content at this point, but fine. Yeah, you are alive. It would seem to me that crawling headfirst through a tight passage into the darkness is an unnatural thing. It is. It is. Just like crawling up the side of a cliff for recreation. See, I don't agree. Those are two different things. Or jumping out of a perfectly good airplane and floating to the ground. Again, two different things. We do these things to satisfy our hunger for adventure. This subconscious desire to conquer our own little Everest. As B is fond of saying, caving is the last opportunity for exploration for the person with modest means. (laughs) Just a short drive from just about anywhere in the country is a cave waiting to be explored. I think the caves bad are news. That's very ominous. waiting to eat you. Yeah. Even a cave well known among the general public can be approached by someone for the first time as an adventure. Something new, something to overcome, because it's there. Many of you don't agree with my decisions to pursue this cave. He, ra- he can read our minds. Honestly. I know this from the messages I have received. <laughs> He's been getting hate mail. He's been getting cyberbullying. <laughs> He's been getting subliminal messages from me this entire time, actually. I'm afraid that I don't have a choice. You absolutely do. 
If I'm ever to experience restful slumber, I must return. I guess you can die and that's a form of restful slumber. I'm on board for that. <laughs> if I am ever to walk the halls of my own home in peace, I must return. If I'm ever to exit the overworld and enter the subterranean world of a cave, I must return now. I no longer feel that I have a choice. I must return. Okay, you're clearly, like, possessed by this thing. Yeah, clearly. Like, all of you are clearly, like, gotten infected. Yes, and it is pulling you back so it can eat you. Maybe talk to a priest or something. Honestly. For my family and friends who are reading this, I say, be at peace. I will conquer this cave. Then I will return and update this website immediately. I will include any photos we take in the cave today. And if you stop by the house, I will show you the video I will have. I expect to be home later tonight or tomorrow at the latest. See you all soon with a lot of answers. Love, <laughs> Ted. And then he he never posted again. Never posted again. R.I.P. Ted B. And Joe. Wow. It was talked about on the National Speleology Society's message board wow. in November of 2004. Oh, fun. Um, in the thread, a poster named Ralph Powers noted that he knew Brad in real life, who I guess is B, and had been in the cave. He explains that caves went under an interstate with the traffic overhead possibly causing the otherworldly noises Ted described. Later in January of 2006, a poster named Caverdale mm-hmm. affirmed that the actual cave is named Interstate Cave and it is, you guessed it, in Utah. Of course. Um, pretty interesting, Ted, if you're alive. Yeah, and you're, you know, scouring the internet for Ted the Caver content. Um, just know that we love you. Yeah, I love it. Uh, we love we your story. We did roast you kind of hard. We did, but to be fair, that's just kind of who we are as people. Yeah, I wouldn't take it personally. We are just mean-spirited. Yes, we are horrible, bitchy people. Uh, <laughs> that's like our comedy source. Um, um, so, anyways, let us know if you want to chat. Come on our gaming channel. Oh, yeah. Let's game with Ted the Caver. That'd be sick. Yeah, I would love to ask him a question about his caving career. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, so, anyways, hit us up. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this very long reading of Ted the Caver. Thanks. Yeah. Um, we started this thinking it be one part, and it is possibly two or three. We'll see. Know. We'll see when we <laughs> You'll know before we do. Yes. Um, and... Uh, depending on its length the next thing might just be christmas themed yep so yes we'll see you then see you then we're doing our best all right there's a lot going on right now our lives are insane yes uh so have a good one y'all bye bye the podcast rejects is a gamer frauds network production find us on instagram at the podcast rejects for early access to all gamer frauds network content and a ton of exclusive perks Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamerfrauds.